0: This podcast may contain graphic and or explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners, especially kids like me. (laughs) Listener discretion is advised.
1: You're listening to the Real Life Podcast, brought to you by the Thin Blue Line for Women. In this podcast... We open up and talk about real-life issues as they relate to first responders. It's raw, it's real, and it's about time. I'm Tamara, your host. Thanks for joining me. Don't forget, you can listen to the Real Life Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast... Pocket Casts, and on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. I have some shout-outs here for you. Let's see. We've got Be Cool 88 Terry Armenta from Southern California, Anne Wedig, Lee Roberts, Donna Brown, Brad Pigeon, Pat Yawn, Cindy Ward, Carla Westhaven, Alma with the yellow flower in her hair, Johnny Sox, Don Pantano, and I wanna tell you about Benjamin Tyler Smith. He's got a book coming out called Blue Crucible. Benjamin Tyler Smith is the author. I met him on Twitter about a month ago. He is writing, well, he has written a Post-apocalyptic sci-fi, which is not in my niche at all. I don't read that 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 kind of thing. But I'm going to, and this is why. He writes about men and women of the Thin Blue Line doing their best to protect and serve. And it's a story about horse patrol. So can you just see that now? Thin Blue Line, horse patrol, post-apocalyptic sci-fi. It's going to be good. I just know it. And I'm going to read it. It comes out on Amazon March 13th. It's called the Blue Crucible. So make a mental note of that, write it down somewhere. And I also want to tell you about a brand new company I just came in contact with called caninelifeco.com. They're brand new on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So welcome them and go to their website and look at their products. It's called caninelifeco.com. They've got mugs, hats tank tops t-shirts sweatshirts leggings it's all about canine so it's pretty cool caninelifeco.com so those are my shout outs this week thanks for listening Hey, everyone. I have another special guest with me. Her name is Liz, and this interview is titled, Interview with a Mom, a.k.a. Superwoman. So, Liz, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. I know you're a little bit nervous, and that's okay. (laughs) Um, For our listeners, can you give us just a little bit of background about yourself, because nobody knows who you are.
0: Okay. Um, Like you said, I'm Liz. I am 37 years old. I have been married for twelve years um, to my wonderful husband. I have two little girls, um, eleven and six. And um, what else do you want to know? What do you do for a living? I am a registered nurse. Um, I have my background is in cardiac. Um, I went straight out of nursing school to um, a cardiac unit, taking care of open heart patients. Patients that have had heart attacks, any kind of lung issues, um, and just recently switched over to the more administrative side. I am the uh, health service coordinator for a school system.
1: Oh, okay. And how long ago did you do that?
0: Two weeks ago. Oh, so very recent. (laughs) Very, very recently.
1: Okay. Did you always want to be a nurse or did you have other aspirations when you were growing up?
0: (laughs) I switched, well, growing up, I wanted to be a teacher, like my mom. Okay. She is a teacher. Okay. Um, but when I started school, I switched my major probably 10 times. Right, like all of us. <laughs> I, I have, like, 240 credit hours, so I should have at least two bachelor's degrees and possibly a master's. Um, I was actually a semester away from having a bachelor's in occupational therapy, and I um, I was pregnant with my first daughter and took some time off, and then switched to nursing. Um, but there were several majors in between there: uh, special education, uh, social work, uh, psychology. Um, so but a lot I think of nursing things, kind of wraps all those into one. Right. Really. So a lot of things you were
1: interested in. Absolutely. Nursing, nursing was the choice, yes. and that that's your comfort zone. That's where Absolutely. you're that's where you landed, yes. and that's where you are. Okay. Um, do you have any connections to law enforcement at all?
0: I have a 24 year old brother who has been a police for a year in Louisville, Kentucky.
1: Oh, okay. So is he in the sheriff's department or a police no, Louisville department? Metro police department. Okay. And does he, is he in the jail right now or is he out on the no, out on patrol? No, he's got a beat. I guess oh, he's what on, you call he's on him. on yeah. patrol. Okay. Yeah. So what does he say to you about that? Are you guys close? Do you talk a lot? Absolutely. Okay. What does he, he say about that? He loves it. Really? He, yes. It
0: terrifies me to death, you know, thinking about what he, um, Louisville is a pretty rough city. Mm Um, and so it scares me. Um, but he, he absolutely loves it. And I've, you know, learned a decent amount through him, a different perspective, um, just on how the law works and what he is legally able to do, you know? Um, but yeah, he's very happy with his decision. Very happy.
1: Okay. Now you're a wife, you're a mom and you're a nurse. Okay. So, so you have many hats, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. How do you balance work and home life? And, and kind of what I mean is like, like what hours do you work right now? What days of the week do you work? Mm-hmm. Well, I know you got a new job two weeks ago, right. but I mean, how, how was it being a nurse all this time? Like, let's not count the last two weeks. Let's go okay. back, you know, all your nursing. So how did you balance all of that with, with life. And I know your husband is a doctor, yes, right? So how did you balance all this all together and be a mom?
0: Um, I'm not really sure if you would call it balancing. <laughs> I don't know. We just did the best we could. Um, nursing school was very, very hard. Like I said, I, had, uh, I took some time off with my little girl um, and went back and started all over um, with nursing. And um, so that was really hard. The hardest part for me was um, taking her to daycare having to trust somebody else, um, you know, to take care of her. But I knew I would tell myself every day that the end result was worth having to go through this. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to have a career. I wanted to be a nurse. um, So that was my motivator. But it was horrible. I mean, I would drop her off and cry. Um, And then all the studying. I would have to literally shut my door and lock it and stay in there and study. And luckily, my husband was very, very good with, um, you know, he picked up the slack. Um, so that was really hard, but I made sure the time that I did have, uh, that I took advantage of every second, I didn't study as much as I should because I did enough to just, I knew being a mom was the most important. Right. And so I wanted to spend as much time with her. So I didn't study as much as I should have, um, but, I mean, I you know, I, I, I made it through school and I had, you know, a lot of time with her. Um, now, working was a big adjustment. I did 12-hour shifts and that was really hard. Just like most law enforcement. Right. By the time I got home, I was done, you yeah, know, right. and, and, you know, they would wait up for me to get home and I just wanted to go to bed and I felt really guilty for right, that. Right. Um, but I was mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. And um, so that was really hard. I got pregnant with my youngest daughter, uh, I think, after my first year of nursing. And because of the experience with daycare, I did not want to have to put her in daycare. Oh, okay. So I worked weekends for two and a half years okay. so that I could be home um, during the week with her. And my uh, oldest one, so I got to play mommy, stay-at-home mommy during the week, right, right. And then I worked Saturday, Sunday, Monday.
1: Oh, okay. For two and
0: a half years, so me and my husband never saw each other. But they were still twelve-hour shifts,
1: right? Absolutely. Oh, okay.
0: Yes. Wow. Um, So I was doing both of them, you know, with a husband in medical school, and as a new nurse, which is very overwhelming. And I was also going to school part time to get my bachelor's degree. Goodness. And
1: trying to be the best mom that you could. Yes. Yes. Okay. I did not know all this. (laughs) In your opinion, what's the hardest part for you of being a mom? And if you have a story behind that, the hardest part of being a mom, Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, for me is just the worrying. I mean, you worry, you start worrying while you're pregnant and it never stops. And, um, I worry about every little thing. Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Am I too strict? Am I not strict enough? Are I feeding them the right food? It is just a constant, um, you know, worry. That's to, for me is the hardest thing. Just, you know, I take being a mom very seriously and I want to get it right if there is a right way to do it. Um, and,
1: you know, so I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, just finding Yeah. I think all of the listeners right now are nodding their heads, especially the moms. They're saying, yes, yes, I know exactly what you mean. It's hard. It's hard to to be a mom and to... Am I doing this right? That's probably like, is there a right way or a wrong way? That's, yeah, that's huge. In your opinion, what's the hardest part of being a wife? Dealing with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you think he's supportive? Do you? Absolutely. Okay.
0: Absolutely. And I just had to... (laughs) and i can't believe i'm going to say this in front of everyone <laughs> apologize to my husband um for you know i like i said i started a new job and and he did too this summer um he's started a new practice uh and you know being i was a stay at home mom for a few years while he well i worked as needed or PRN um, in the hospital as a nurse. And so I got to do the more of the stay at home and I wasn't as supportive um, when he was starting his career. And now that I've started a new job full time, I'm um, looking back. I could have handled that a little better. Uh-huh. Um, but just balancing all of that, the job, the kids, and then finding time for the husband. Right. You know, right. that's probably the hardest thing for us is, you know, we put our kids first, right? And to be good parents, you have to have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's taken us a while to realize that. And even though we realize it, it's still hard to find time.
1: Right. Okay. What has been the most rewarding part of being a mom? (laughs) Besides the worrying
0: little things, you know, just seeing your kids happy, um, the little, like you know, the hugs and when they tell you you're the best mom ever, um, I can have a horrible day and they can be monsters all day long, you know, <laughs> fighting and, and then just a the little hug and Aww. it just makes it all worth it. Right. Yeah. Um, just the unconditional love we have for each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing to me. There's nothing better.
1: That's awesome. Did you learn any important values from your parents as you grew up that tend to carry over to how you raise your kids? Yes.
0: Um, my mom, one thing that I never doubted was that she loved me. Um, I never, you know, she said it every day. Um, you know, she was very affectionate. She, um, is, you know, my childhood was a little dysfunctional. Um, and, and even through all that dysfunction, she made sure that I knew I was loved no matter what. And it wasn't just by action. She verbalized that to me, you mm-hmm. know, and I think you can assume that someone knows you love them by being good to them or, mm-hmm. you know, but people need to hear that. Right. Right. And, uh, she was very good at doing that. And I tell my kids at least 10 times a day that I love them. Um, cause I feel like it's very important for right, them to know.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Do you feel that you have learned lessons from your kids? (laughs) Oh, they teach me stuff all the time. Uh Absolutely. My kids are,
0: I mean, they're so resilient. And the things that they have to face nowadays, um, it's a lot different than when we were kids. Oh, yeah. And the issues they have to deal with. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Then you Um, have two girls, one 11 and one six. Yes. Okay. Um, Just, you know, watching them. My oldest one has a lot of anxiety and to, and, and, you know, obviously, um, well, not obviously, but I have some myself and watching her deal with it and face her fear fears gives me so much strength. Um, and just to see them day to day, you know, do, um, just life, you know, I mean, it's really hard for kids now. Oh, yeah.
1: oh it's so different than when we were, than when we were Yeah, growing.
0: I mean, the issues they have to deal with yeah. is just.
1: I don't know. It's, it's sad. I know. Um, looking back, is there anything, and I know, and I know we're not looking back very far because they're only 11 and six, right. But looking back, is there anything you would want to change in how you raised your kids, you know, thus far? I wish I wouldn't have put so much
0: pressure on myself to keep a clean house or worry about those kind of things. You know, I wish I would have just let the dishes go or those are the kind of things that I, um, I regret, you know, um, I don't think they're as important as I thought they were. Okay. Um, I wish, you know, I hadn't, if they said, Hey, let's go play Barbies. I would have just said yes. And, you know, maybe stayed up a half hour late to do the dishes instead of saying, no, mommy's got to do this. I got to do that.
1: Um, yeah, those little, those little quality time, time pieces right there that we miss out on a lot because we feel we have to vacuum or we have to put the dishes away before we go to bed because we're trying to be. Superwoman, right? And they don't care. They They don't don't care. care. (laughs) They want your time. You know, that's all they could care less if your
0: house is perfect or.
1: Now, do you consider yourself a Christian woman? 100%. How does being a Christian woman play a part as your role of mom? And then second question, how does being a Christian woman play a part as your role of wife? So Um, answer those for me. Okay. Um,
0: I feel like it's I don't want to say an added pressure, um, but I feel like it is my responsibility to teach my children about Christ and to raise them um, to know who Christ is and how that should affect their day to day life. Um, So, you know, because it is so very important to me and it has um, changed my life more than I could, or we have time to talk about. Um, but I want so bad for them to have that. And I feel like it's my responsibility to give them that foundation. Um, so
1: I forget the second part of the question. I'm sorry. So how does being a Christian woman play a part as your role of a wife?
0: (laughs) Oh, I have to be slower to anger. (laughs) (laughs) I have to apologize. <laughs> we, we won't
1: say his name <laughs> live
0: on the air. <laughs> I have to apologize when I don't want to. Um, uh, it has made me respect my marriage more, um, and to look at it as as a you know taking vows in front of God, um, and that that means something to him, and it's something that I respect more because of that. So you know I, I feel like I work maybe a little harder. I come from a divorced family, um, and I do think that it. It serves its purpose in certain situations, Um, but it's made me um, work harder on my marriage um, because I have vowed to God that, you know, I've given myself to this person. Um,
1: And uh, so that's probably the main thing. Okay, yeah, that was a good, very good answers. How does being a Christian woman play a part in your own life? Let's not think about your kids. Let's not think about your husband. How does being a Christian woman help you in your life? Oh, how, how has that helped you it and, helps and me. still helps you?
0: Day to day. I mean, every day, if I didn't have that, I don't know what people that don't believe. I don't know what keeps them going every day. If I didn't know that there was the reward of heaven and that this wasn't just it, I don't know why, you know, cause life is hard and, and, you know, I've been through a lot of things in life and I, most people have, and it's the one thing that keeps me going. Um, it gives me hope. I want to share with the world, like the Jesus's story. Um, I feel like that's what we're here to do. Um, I want nothing more out of life than to fulfill the purpose that God has put me here for. And that's one of my biggest fears: is that I will miss that. Um, it, I mean, it affects every second of my day, over everything—kids, husband—it is the most important thing. And sometimes that gets kind of lost. I don't. I don't mean. I don't want to say you love your kids so much. And that's such a tangible thing that you can feel. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I can only imagine the love that God has for us. It's hard to, you know, um, but without that, I don't think I would have the peace that I have. Um, just the overall happiness, um, that I have in my life and it's taken me a long time to get to that point. And I haven't always been a strong Christian. I'm not going to lie. I was raised in church, um, but I've steered away on my own and come back. And, you know, just in the last um, probably six years, has it become the most important thing in my life? Um, but yeah, it, it affects it day to day.
1: Yeah. It sounds like because you have such a strong, um, grounding or well, you're so grounded in Christian you know in being a Christian woman on your own, that's what helps you be a Christian mom and a Christian right. wife. So right. if you weren't as strong of a Christian woman, then you couldn't be a Christian mom or a Christian wife.
0: Absolutely you know,
1: so it's, it does start with you and then it and then it passes on to them.
0: That's my plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: if you can pass just one and only one spiritual lesson onto your kids, what would that be? oh just one
0: to always lean on to god first go to him no matter what there's no sin that is too big to be forgiven um it doesn't matter what you've done he will always forgive you grace is for everybody um and one big thing you know stay humble that's a huge thing for me is to always stay humble so lean on him no matter what don't ever think you're too far gone
1: and to stay humble Okay, well that wraps up the first half of your interview. We're going to take a break. So this is interview with a mom aka Superwoman Liz and we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Are you looking for Thin Blue Line gear? It's available on our website at thinbluelineforwomen.com. That's thin blue line the number 4 women.com. Show your support for law enforcement and get your Thin Blue Line gear today. Just click on shop at ThinBlueLineForWomen.com. Are you interested in CSI or forensics? The Forensic Science Academy program has been recognized as the premier training program completely dedicated to students who are launching their forensic career. The Academy offers specialized hands-on training modules in basic and advanced crime scene investigation, forensic photography, fingerprint identification and classification, crime scene management, and corner investigations. Instruction is offered in the form of weekend workshops, online courses, webinars, and seminars. Training at the Academy of Forensic Science will give students the competitive edge employers and agencies are looking for when hiring. Past graduates are now working as crime scene investigators, private investigators, forensic pathologists, coroner investigators, forensic nurses, forensic accountants, and even criminalists. The courses are taught by forensic professionals who are experts in the field and hold membership in the International Association for identification and other professional forensic organizations. For more information, visit ForensicScienceAcademy.org. Again, that's ForensicScienceAcademy.org. Have you ever wondered what being a part of CSI is really like? If so, here's your chance to experience it. In my book titled, Through My Eyes, CSI memoirs that haunt the soul. Through My Eyes contains 11 personal accounts of the most grueling and heartbreaking crime scenes I worked during my 15 years in the crime scene investigations unit. While reading my book, you'll walk inside the crime scene tape with me. You'll catch a glimpse of what I saw, touched, smelled, and even tasted during an average work day. I'll take you on a difficult journey of memories, uncovering layers of emotional trauma left behind. Dare to join me? Through My Eyes is available now on Amazon. Welcome back from break. We are back with Liz, uh, interview with a nurse, AKA Supermom. So we're back and I have a couple more questions for you and then we'll wrap this up. Can you define a first responder?
0: In my opinion, a first responder would be uh, any person uh, that is the first person on the scene of either an accident or um, some sort of, uh, injury incident um, specific like I mean, what jobs would be first responders? Or no, you're doing great. Okay. First responder. Well, I if you wanted to know like what specific jobs might be considered a first responder, sure, go for it. Um, a police officer, a firefighter, um, EMS paramedic. And until tonight, I hadn't really thought of nurses as first responders, but um, after thinking about it, I would consider them to be um, in anybody in a hospital that walks into a room and there is some kind of um, situation, I would assume, or, you know, to me would be a first responder. Right. Good. Okay.
1: Do you know what the thin blue line is and what it means? I do not. Okay, the thin blue line. Do you remember seeing me wear the thin blue line wristband yes. and the bracelets? Okay, and I do sell those on my website. The thin blue line represents the men and women of law enforcement that stand between good and evil, order and chaos. And I'm reading this from Wikipedia, by the way. The black stripes above the blue line represent the public, and the bottom black stripes represent the criminal. So the police officer is that blue line in between. Yeah, I got now it. you're like, hey, I hey, yes. the light just went Absolutely. on. And a lot of people, it, it's, it's interesting how now that I'm retired, I come across more people that are not cops, you know, right. because I'm not working in that field anymore. So I tend to come across, you know, people that aren't cops everywhere and nobody knows what the thin blue line is. And it bothers me for some reason. It's like, why don't you people know what the thin blue line is? So I try to wear the bracelet as much as I can, just so people will ask. You know yeah. what what are you wearing what I had no what, idea what it was that? until I yeah. until I met you. And so I think the more people who know that it will support police officers more. Yes. You know. So um let's go back to your nursing job. Have you ever done CPR? Um yes, several times. I've been a nurse for
0: 9 years and I couldn't tell you how many times I've had to do CPR. More times than I
1: I wish. So, okay. Maybe I don't understand the kind of nurse. I know you're an RN, but were you working in an emergency room? Uh, No, I've always worked on cardiac floors. Oh, that's Um, right. Cardiac. Okay. So
0: we have, um, like I said, the, I mean, people would be sitting in a, in a hospital bed talking to you and have a heart attack.
1: Um, And that's when, that's when like they call and this, this is, you're going to laugh at this, but that's when they say, um, I need, code, I need code, code, code blue. blue stat yeah. or whatever. Okay. Code blue means that's a patient it, has lost their pulse. Okay. Code blue. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you've done CPR a lot. Now a lot of first responders, i.e. police officers right. have done CPR in the field. Of course, they're not as good as it, at it as you, because you do it you know, constantly, but man, as a police officer, you know, we're trained to do CPR right? and, and we have, I'm sure a lot of officers listening right now have done it before and it's scary. Absolutely. It's a very scary thing because you feel like that person's life is in your hands. Literally, like literally you're touching them and, and, and it's, it's all up to you. It's almost like an out of body experience
0: for me, like something, you walk into a room and you notice a patient isn't breathing or, you know, I've had patients um, just fall back in a bed in the middle of a sentence. You check a pulse and there's no pulse and you're the person in that room that has to start compressions. Um, And so something for me just takes over and it's like, um, it's almost robotic. Mm -hmm. Um, You just, you do everything can to keep that person alive and that's Um, you're
1: trained to do that and that's your job every day yes and
0: every every patient every time you walk in a room you have no idea what to expect and even when you think things are going very smoothly it can i mean like like i said in the middle of a sentence i've had a patient literally fall back in the bed and have no pulse
1: so have you ever lost a person to cpr
0: um and, and this is weird and most people have as far as I can remember, I have never lost a patient in the room while performing CPR. Now, they have been transported down to the ICU and have died. Okay. Um, but I cannot remember a situation where a patient died in the room while doing CPR. Okay. It could have been shortly after once they got, you know, um, and sometimes when people code, they can code several times okay. in, in, in a row. Now, I have had patients die before. Okay. Um, But more of those were it was like in a controlled setting, like a hospice patient, right, right, um, okay, in that kind of situation. So
1: do do you experience any symptoms of like anxiety related to nursing? Because I mean, there are a lot of law enforcement officers and 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 people of other professions listening right now who have anxiety because of their job, because of things they see, because of things they do at work, or even not even not job related, just. Growing up, or you know, the the kind of environment that they live in currently, or that they grew up in, a lot of people experience that anxiety. Do you have any symptoms of anxiety, or or anything else that you want to tell me about related to nursing?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've experienced anxiety, depression. Um, any time you're dealing with life and death, it is very, very hard. It's hard to watch somebody die. It's hard to watch the family go through that. Um, you, it makes you take a look at your life and your family and realize how precious life really is and how things can change in a second. Um, and it is very hard to to leave that, you know, at at work. So you take a lot of that home and you. Um, as a new nurse, it was very overwhelming for me, and I can remember, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh, my gosh, I forgot to do this, or I forgot to do that, um, and I worried a lot in the beginning, and then you get a little bit more confidence and feel a little bit more in control, but then there's, you know, you never know what's going to happen um, in any, in those kind of situations when when a patient does go downhill and have something like that happen. You look at what could I have done differently? You know, was that my fault? Is it something I did wrong? And it doesn't matter when it's their time, it's their time. But you Mm -hmm. always kind of um, blame yourself because Mm -hmm. you are responsible for their care at that moment. So it is, it's very hard um, and it can be a very, I don't want to say negative. um, It can take a toll on you emotionally, but I've definitely seen more good come from it. And so you kind of have to outweigh the bad um, with the good that comes from it. But yes, it can definitely take a toll on you
1: emotionally. Um, have you ever had to go to a counselor because of your anxiety? Uh,
0: <laughs> I um I had more anxiety in, in nursing school. I had never had a panic attack until I had to leave my child um, as a, as a young you know kid um, while I was in nursing school. And yes, I I had major anxiety um, during nursing school and. Um, I hadn't really had a whole lot of anxiety up to that point. Um, but yes, nursing school was very stressful for me. And like trying to be a mom at the same time. Absolutely. And and I take my job very seriously. So I put a lot of, um, I wanted to learn as much as I could. And as a new nurse, it was very overwhelming. So yes, definitely a lot of anxiety associated with that.
1: Right. A whole right. lot. Yeah. Because a lot of our, a lot of our cops out there, fire, EMS, you know, border patrol. I mean, the military the list goes on and on right. even non first responders have anxiety deal with post traumatic stress disorder and a lot of them don't want to confront it because well a it's painful right. and b then then if they get labeled or diagnosed with post traumatic stress disorder or whatever then then that's what they're going to see themselves as right. you know and you don't want to be seen as a weak person or right you know, it's a problem with our society. It is. It is. People,
0: you know, I I think mental illness is no different than any other disease and why people are so afraid to, and I've dealt with this personally, to admit that I had anxiety or have dealt, you know, it is a sign of weakness or, you know, that's what people internalize it as when it's not. Um, But I think it's just a stigma. You know, it's horrible. I wish we could get past it. I don't know what the solution is. Um, and I think it's, it's harder for men, you know, women have a lot of things that we have to deal with or, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think that one thing is very hard for men. Mm Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Well, society puts a lot of pressure on men that they have to be big and strong. Yeah. Right. I mean, why? I don't, I don't get that. Right. We don't don't cry or, you know, you know, silly.
0: It is. And I think if people could, if, um, just to, to, talk freely about their feelings, I think would help it. You know, Mm -hmm. we're told to keep things inside and be, especially in these kind of, um, you know, jobs, you're supposed to just deal with it. Right. And And go to the next one. Yeah. And people, you know, don't want to go to counseling or get some kind of therapy support group or whatever Mm -hmm. it takes. And they just keep it all inside. And you
1: know, you can only take so much. Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about that in my book and you'll read it. It gets released. um, I'm so excited. February 4th, which this episode will air later, so the book will have been out for a couple of weeks. But through my eyes, CSI memoirs that haunt the soul, I did many, many, many calls for 15 years in crime scene investigations and saw a lot of stuff. And there was a point in time where I had to shut it off, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to keep going. Yeah,
0: I can't imagine. And you
1: have to shut it off, and you, and it's. Yeah, oh, I feel bad and guilty talking about it, but it, like, I feel guilty admitting this, but like. I just had to pretend that that person was just a piece of evidence. They weren't even a person. And I got to the point where I couldn't look at pictures on the walls anymore. Not even at my own friends' houses. I, yeah. I it was just a habit. I would walk in and not look at pictures yeah. because it was it ingrained in me to not look at the walls.
0: It's a protective you know, mechanism. It has to. I think you you're coping mechanism. To, yes, you have to do that to be able to do your job. Yeah. And it takes
1: a special person to do what you do. Well, I never I never said you know when I was little I'm going to grow up and and work on crime scenes. Right. I never said that. Even when I went in the department. I never even thought about going into crime scene investigations, but then all the shows started coming out. This was, you know, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. I think was the first CSI show, and it, everyone wanted to be CSI. It was all so cool, mm-hmm. right? They all did all this, all this miraculous um, stuff on TV, and they, they worked with all of these, all these pieces of equipment that were mm-hmm. thousands of dollars. And oh, we can solve the crime in one hour. It was glamorized. And it was glamorized, mm-hmm. and it was so fun and. And so I went in it with that, with that mindset, but I also, I had my master's of counseling in marriage and family therapy. So I was interested in people and I wanted to learn why they did what they did. Right. I never ended up learning all all about that. (laughs) All I did was go scene to scene to scene and look at crap. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was horrible. Um, But anyway, this isn't about me. I I didn't mean to to go back there, but, but yeah, just, but this is just to prove that People in different professions, you're a nurse, you're not a cop or, and you're not in the military, right. but it doesn't matter if you're not EMT or fire, you're a nurse and you're a mom. Anybody can experience anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. any, anything like that. Even just not even from a job, just from growing up in an environment that they grew up in or a house that they grew up in. Right.
0: Yes. And absolutely. it's, and
1: no one wants to talk about it no. because then it shows that they're weak and that they're. You know, they might get looked upon it and a, labeled. I think that's a big thing, yeah, you labels. know. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah.
0: And and people with mental illness, they just want to call them, oh, they're just crazy. They're mentally or, ill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: don't talk to them. They're they're crazy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And people
0: and I think it it's, is it's ignorance too, though. People mm-hmm. have not educated themselves enough on what mental illness really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I hope that one day we can get past that.
1: Well, I think if we keep having talks like this, yeah. more podcasts like this, more people coming forward and admitting. Who they are and what they deal with. I think it will eventually, I don't know how many years it's going to take, but I think we'll get there. We just have to have more people come out and more people like writing books, like through my eyes. Tell us how you feel. Tell us what you did. Tell us, tell us stories, you know, make it the norm, right? You know, make it okay to talk about. So let's wrap your interview up with some funny things. We'll try. I don't know. Maybe they won't be funny. I don't know. Have you ever fired a gun? Yes. Um, Tell me about that experience. (laughs)
0: So for my 10 year anniversary, um, my
1: 10 year marriage marriage anniversary. Um,
0: So I'm the adventurous one. My husband is not. Um, He planned this little trip for us and we went whitewater rafting. And yes, this is so out of his comfort zone and I loved it. This was like (sighs) and it meant so much to me. You know, most women would want to go to like a tropical, you know, vacation. <laughs> this was awesome, and then You're we crazy. went to a gun range, uh-huh. and so I got to shoot all different kinds of guns. Wow. I couldn't tell you what kind they were, but it was. I was I was nervous, like it was, you know, because I, I didn't want to like mess up, you know. Uh-huh. Like guns are always my brother hunted, and, and I've always been kind of scared of guns, uh-huh. just because I know what they can do. Well, yeah. Um, and uh, but it was awesome. I absolutely loved it. I want to go back. That was the the one and only time. Time we have ever gone. You um, don't remember what you
1: what kind of gun they were? Guns you fired? Wait, it, it was a, were whatever, they, what is a nine millimeter? Okay so there were handguns. Yes. Did you fire rifles and, and shotguns?
0: Was, um, No shotgun but no there was shotgun. like a, a semi-automatic okay. something. Probably an AR-15. Um, I have pictures. <laughs> I can show them to you <laughs> and you can tell me what they were. Okay. It, it was fun. So I didn't realize that they were so heavy. Um, well, some are one of them was very heavy okay. and it was harder for me to
1: shoot a handgun yes oh interesting I'm, I'm not a, a gun person so yeah uh, mine's pretty heavy I have a six hour 40 and I wish mine's I knew the names I can't remember that's okay it was, it was a lot more fun once that's I felt cool. comfortable yeah, yeah I had a lot of fun that's not what nice. most women would think would be
0: fun for right, a junior right. I loved it I that's loved it and cool. it meant more because my husband was this was
1: so not for him he uh-huh. did this for me that's right. So, nice. yeah
0: it was it okay was fun.
1: Now, have you ever been pulled over by a police officer in your life? Several times.
0: I, um, yes, I used to speed a whole lot. Um, the last time that I got pulled over was actually coming back from a Christian women's retreat. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, We were I was driving her car and we were just having a good time joking. It was, well, I'm not going to say the name. Um, <laughs> but we were just driving back and I I guess the speed limit had switched and I didn't pay attention. And so I was definitely speeding and I got pulled over and um, he was so nice. And I've learned, you know, I used to try to, Oh, I don't know why you're pulling me over. <laughs> and I realized that didn't really work. So he was like, you know, I pulled you over. And I was like, yeah, I was speeding. And uh, he was like, he asked me a couple questions, took my stuff, um, came back. And I guess he had seen, um, we did some paintings while we were down there and it had a Bible verse on it. And, uh, it was a, a picture, I can't remember, but he came back and he gave me a warning and he said, thank you for serving the Lord
1: and wow. let me
0: go. And I was speechless. Wow. And I'm like, here I was doing something illegal that he uh-huh. could have rightfully given me a ticket for. And he thanked
1: me Wow, for serving the Lord. That's amazing. And yes. This was in Tennessee, right? This was in Tennessee. Yeah, because um, hey, we wore a Bible belt here. I like it. it never happened anywhere
0: else. <coughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but And I felt so bad that I did not thank him for his service. And as Aww. we were pulling away, I, I looked at my friend and I was like, I should have thanked Aww. him. You know, because he didn't have to be so kind right. and, and to thank me for doing something when I was, wow. you know, um, yeah, I'll always remember that. <clears throat> Absolutely. And you know, and I told my friend, cause I have his name on the, the warning that he gave me, I wanted so bad to send him a, a card to thank him since I didn't get to, and I've lost the ticket oh, no. <laughs> or the, the warning. <laughs> I know, but I hope he knows how much it meant to me and, and how much I appreciate what he does. So
1: yes. That's amazing. Yeah. That's wow. I can't believe he said that to you. I know. That's nice. I know. I was, I was
0: shocked. I just stood there like my mouth wow. wide open and I
1: was like, did that really just happen? Wow. <laughs> did he
0: just thank me? You know?
1: <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Last question. Yes. Do you know exactly what I did in the department for 20 years? Crime scene investigator for 15 of the 20. Okay.
0: Okay. Are you, um, I don't know what you did for the other five.
1: I worked in the jail and then I was a sergeant for a year and a half. Okay. Um, but do you, so, so you, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that I, I not a, not a lot of people know, not a so lot of my I, friends. I, I know. didn't, I, I didn't looking at yeah. you.
0: I would never assume. And I don't know. Well, because what I look hysteria. like a girl now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always had to wear my hair up and I'm always in a, in a uniform. Right. And when I retired, I was like, Oh, I get to wear my hair down. I'm so happy and wear my normal clothes. But a lot of people don't know. Yeah you know, what I did, but a I lot of people do recently. now because yeah. of the book, Yeah, but still they come up to me and they're like, wait, is this a novel? Like a lot of people think it's a crime like making, novel, right. you know, like Stephen King. And that is not what this is no. at all. It's just 11 of my worst crime scenes. So I just wanted to test you and see if you knew. That I'm was very all.
0: excited question. <laughs> to read the book though, just because I, I know you outside of that. And I see you as this happy, you know, I, I can't imagine you have been through some of the things that I'm going to read, you know, so it'll be nice to see that side. Of- yeah.
1: I'm looking forward to hear your feedback on the chapters. If, if you can get through them, <laughs> I'm going to try my best. I know. <laughs> so Liz, thank you. I want to say thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, I you're really appreciate thank it. I me. know the listeners will love hearing from a nurse no, not a first responder right. in, in the in the Since, cop yeah. sense and the fire and EMS sense, but a nurse and a mom and a and a wonderful wife with two kids and you're just you're great. Thank you so much. I appreciate oh, your time you. and I appreciate your whole entire interview. Thank you so much.
0: Oh you're welcome. Thank you for having you're me. You're
1: welcome. If you haven't read my book through my eyes, You can get your copy today at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Tune in next Monday when I interview a law enforcement chaplain and discuss important issues like making proper death notifications, compassion fatigue, and what it's like to really be there for an officer in crisis. I'll see you next Monday. The Real Life Podcast was recorded and is being made available by Anchor.fm and its affiliates solely for the informational and entertainment purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided and or expressed on the Real Life Podcast are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and are responsible for all show content and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the agencies and communities that the guests may serve. Some parts of the Real Life Podcast may contain adult content intended for people who are 18 years of age or older. Please listen responsibly.